Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through it again! Oh, he just can't do it! You just cannot be that good! That is an amazing goal! I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to another European edition of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League, Bundesliga and Champions League. I'm Billy, and with me is a man who is the petulant, whining little bitch to my PSG. It's Lewis. I mean, on the one hand, I love that. I love that comparison. On the other hand, you just call me a petulant, whining little bitch, so I'm a little bit miffed. I, I've had to listen to you moan about Bayern all season. I think I'm entitled to one towards the end. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that's right. So. Billy already mentioned it a little bit. PSG did not show their best side in their second leg against Manchester City on Tuesday and Wednesday yesterday. Real Madrid provided a shocking display and ultimately they probably should have beaten, been beaten down a little bit more. But before we take a look at that, let's get into the juiciness of what was PSG versus Manchester City in the hailstorm of Manchester. I, I don't really know where to begin with it because if I'm looking at this from a you know a highly professional broadcasty point of view, I mean, let's be honest, City deserved it. City yeah, deserved it. They did a hundred percent. It's Pep's first final in 10 years. Which in itself is massive, and I think it's also important. To remember that little bit of witchcraft from Sergio Aguero back in like 2014. It's like, oh, I'm not leaving until Man City win the Champions League, which now could, it is his last game with Man City. I think before we rip into PSG, we have to give as much as it's going to pain you, Bill. We're going to have to give Man City a little bit of praise because they did just comfortably play it down they they got their goal and then they i mean red Mares, he was born in one of the parisian suburbs and now he comes back to haunt psg with three goals over two legs i mean it doesn't get much better than that the it's a little bit of shithousery which we always love it here at at sports he's a really classy player as well i loved him at leicester yeah but both their goals were <laughs> almost identical, especially the, the second defend. one. Yeah, yeah. I was sat there watching it. <laughs> I was, I was sat there watching it. I was with my brother, and I was there going, "Track Mares, track Mares, someone track Mares, someone track Mares." <laughs> you could see it at the bottom of the TV the entire way down that counter attack. But Neymar was there. And then for some reason decided, oh, I know, I'll go to the ball. I'll go to Kevin De Bruyne, where Herrera and I think Paredes already were. And it just left this massive expanse for Riyad Mahrez to run into. Um, you, you've just set up a perfect segue into 
what I love to call the Neymar bashing train. All aboard. Oh, and it's it's going to be a big one because I th- I'm I'm pretty sure I'm correct in saying that both of us cannot stand him. Oh god, no. I mean he's not he's not, you know, he wants to be this icon of football. Like he left Barcelona to get out of Messi's shadow. Like Mbappe didn't even play yesterday or on Tuesday, sorry. And that was all the chat. It was all the chat of well, if they had Mbappe, if only Mbappe was fit. So you've got Neymar on the pitch, who's the world's most expensive player. He's not even in the top five players in the world at the moment. He's not the in the top 10. And it's insane because <laughs> PSG's last shot on target in that tie across both games was the 28th minute of the first leg. I'm going to stick with it. They didn't deserve to go through against Bayern, and I'm very happy that someone finally kicked them out and had the, you know, they they finally showed the world that PSG are just never going to win the Champions League. Never. The closest they came was last year. And last year they may have had a shot, but it really just goes to show, like we said it after they the way the way they celebrated their win against Bayern. You know, they celebrated as if they'd won the title. And if there's anything we've noticed over the last few, basically over the last two seasons of doing this podcast, every time a, a team celebrates too early, they ended up getting kicked out and it bites them in the ass. That's quite funny, though. Oh, it really is. But we can continue the Neymar hate in a sec, but I want to talk about... <laughs> I mentioned like petulance and whining and all that. So the referee was Bjorn Coopers yesterday. Yeah the, yeah, the Dutch one. So at the end, at full time, you've got Ander Herrera, who still holds a very special place in my heart. Oh, but he's literally, su- he's such a whiny little bitch. I like, know, but every it, was, time- it was different when it was for your team. <laughs> Yeah, that may have been, but it's like the same. Like, I didn't like, I thought it was funny when Arturo Vidal started getting, you know, in people's faces. But the minute Vidal left Bayern again and started getting in Bayern players' faces and started mouthing off ahead of the Barca Bayern tie, I just wanted him to just get what he deserved. (laughs) Yeah. So you've got Verratti. Uh, Paredes and Ander Herrera all like swarming around the referee and the officials making complaints. It's like, oh, but he told Paredes to fuck off. It's like, well, that happens to the referee about 90 times a game. First of all, that. And second of all, if you're going to crowd the referee after every decision that's being made, then of course he's going to tell you to fuck off at some point. And at, the, at that point, I'm just going to say, you know what, referee, well done, because I probably would have lost my shit ages ago. You know, per, parade is that whole PSG team. This is what they are, right? They're a bunch of guys with a small man complex, which is funny because none of that team, except for Kelo Navas and Kimpembe, is over six foot. <laughs> like- Verratti's five foot five, like literally a gust of wind could blow him away. It fits so well, but they they spend all this money and they're still so terrible. 
Like, Icardi offers nothing. Draxler hasn't scored in the Champions League for four years. Pablo Sarabia, who? Just exactly not good enough. Diallo, the fullback, he had his moments against Bayern, but that's because Bayern were depleted. Phil Foden ran him into the ground across both games. Oh, I love Phil Foden for it. And Di Maria, oh my, he's just a horrible, ratty little player. He's on the level of Gendozi, like literally. But that's that's the thing. It happened in the first leg, and it's why Adrissa Gay got sent off. City did, they did it, and they did it really well. They suffocated PSG. They had no time on the ball. And even, even you know, when they did have the ball, they had no time on it. But they barely had touches of the of the ball, and it's just like Di Maria just lashes out. It's like, oh my god, he's. Like, I'm sorry, but Di Maria, you're 33, man. 33. You should have the panache, and you should have the expertise and the experience to just you know get your emotions in check. But that is, I think, the. That that is the story of that second leg was just PSG just didn't have their emotions in check whatsoever. But I want before we move on to the other game, I want your opinion on PSG as a whole because without Mbappe, who even in the first leg wasn't great, no. Do you think this is it? Just supports the whole thing that the French league is, for lack of a better term. Farmers League because PSG aren't even top of their own league this season. That that just says it all. I think PSG are hyped up because they have the same they have the same structure as Man City, but in comparison to Manchester City, PSG have just they've thrown Man City and PSG are the are perfect um, comparison because they've both thrown the same amount of money at the respective clubs. So their owners have, and it's the same ownership structure, but whereas Man City have actually managed their funds relatively well. I mean, I say relatively because they still had to spend over a billion pounds to make one Champions League final. So I'm not saying City are like a beacon of hope for every single takeover from Abu Dhabi or Dubai for the Premier League. But what I am saying is that if you compare PSG and Manchester City, Manchester City have managed their club way better than PSG have because PSG have just literally seen whoever is the top player on the market and said, we'll have him. And that's it. And the problem is they've only done that in the midfield and the attacking play in the attacking positions. Their, their defense, I'm sorry, is Europa League level at best. Kim Pembe, Jesus Christ. Marquinhos, he has his moments, but nah, I don't see it. And their fullbacks are about as interchangeable as, I don't know. They're, they're, they're just, I don't know who their fullbacks are. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head who, who their starting fullback is because they just change so often. PSG have never had good fullbacks. So even when they had Serge no. Aurier and Loewen Kazawa. Danny Alves, did he? He, he had a yeah, but he wasn't really there. You know that that was a a cash grab to for the end of his career. 
I mean, not only that, but I'm sorry. The people who tell me Danny Alves is a better right back than Philip Lam, they need to get the hell out and they need to get their head Very different fullbacks, though. But if you're going to tell me who's more effective... Yeah, but to me, that's that's like comparing the Messi-Ronaldo thing because Danny Alves was this bombastic attacking fullback in that Barcelona side. Philip Lam was a cool, calm, defensive-minded, like heavily defensive-minded player. Fair enough, but I'm still if if you're asking me to pick a team who I'm gonna have it right back, there's no way I would pick Danny Alves. Guys way too hot headed to be a fullback. Well there we go. <laughs> Shall we uh move on to the well, other game? Because I've you, got something you, did, you, you didn't you didn't let us finish the Neymar bashing oh, trick. So I completely forgot about the Neymar. I got caught up in the Danny Alves debate. No, it was it, we. I was about to say we we need to finish the Neymar bashing train. I mean, not that it ever will be finished, but like you said, he's moved to PSG to get out of Messi's shadow. And he's just basically had one seat, one or two seasons out of Messi's shadow before Mbappe comes along, and now he's in, in Mbappe's shadow. Like no one was saying, uh, it doesn't matter that they don't have Mbappe on the pitch because they still have Neymar and Di Maria on the pitch. Like, no, no one's saying that. Everyone's saying that if Mbappe is not on the pitch, the rest of the team is useless. And I'm inclined to agree. And because we love stats here at AT Sports, I'm going to pull up one for you. On the biggest stage last season, Neymar in the Champions League final lost the ball a total of 27 times against Bayern. Your top player who cost you 222 million lost the ball on an average every three minutes. That for me takes Neymar out of any top five, top 10 players on this planet. The guy is nowhere near the where he wants to be and where he should be. And you know why? Because he literally is all about the flicks and the thing. He's still in that, in that like. In, he's in his own 18-year-old mind, you know, the YouTube football star. That's what he is. And he's never been, he's never going to be anything more than that. He only plays for himself. He does not play for the team. He's not a team player. Yeah. I, I can't I can't disagree because you're not wrong. Which is probably why, as as good as it was when he was in Barcelona with MSN. There's probably, maybe if it's not him, there's probably someone in his ear going, yeah, but you should be top dog. You should be main man. And he's not even main man at PSG anymore because no one bothers with Neymar. Everyone, you know, there's no talk of Real Madrid going out and looking at Neymar. You know, there's some talk of Barcelona, but it just, it's just because it sells papers. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No one is ever going to convince me that Neymar is a top level player who should be winning the Ballon d'Or at some point. And if we're being honest, I don't, I think we've seen, we've already seen the best that Neymar has ever had to offer. And the best he ever had to offer was the side or the supporting act in MSN. He was unbelievable. He's got an un- what I won't take away from him is that he's got unbelievable technique and he's an unbelievable player on the ball. Like, but if you know, if he, I think Didi Haman said it uh, said it best on Sky Sports. If like, I just wish some manager, like some manager, must have told him 
if you just leave the circus act that you always bring onto the pitch, you might actually be a top level player. But the problem is that is what Neymar is a circus act. Before we move on, can we just, Oh, it, it hurts. It really hurts to try and say it, but can we just big up Ruben Diaz? Yeah. Guy was rock solid. Deserved Your man that is man match. 23. He's playing like he's 27 and has already won a World Cup and a Champions League title. Like there were there were like a good three or four parts of that game where he literally just threw himself in front of that ball. Oh yeah. Like there's one he just threw his head in front of Di Maria's shot. It's like mate. Oh, it's, pro- it's proper, proper just- John Terry stuff. World Cup 2010. Your proper like bodies on the line. Yes. Man of the match as well in that game. Yeah. Exactly. You've got to be a good performance from you to take man of the match away from Riyad Mahrez, who scored twice. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could have also arguably put Phil Foden in there. I love watching Phil Foden. I mean, the amount of raw talent that is going to be on the pitch for England this summer in the Euros is unbelievable. Well, that's the thing. And we can talk about this more in like a proper Euro episode. But I I give it two, three years tops before that England team should be built around Phil Foden. Because Harry Kane will be coming towards the end. Yeah. He will be approaching, uh, be more mature. And if Pep stays, he'll probably win more as well. I mean, if all goes well, he might already have a Champions League title under his belt that come the end of this month. That's the thing. We, England don't need two defensive midfielders in that team. No. Phil Foden should definitely be in the starting 11. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. I'd pick Phil Foden over Jaden Sancho right now. Yeah. Because I don't know who else you can leave out. Like You can't leave Mason Mount out. Oh, hell no. You can't leave Jude Bellingham out. Funny, funnily enough, on the subject of Mason Mount... <laughs> oh, seamless. There was seamless. another game in the Champions League this week. <laughs> I mean, this wasn't much better, was it? From the non-English team. Real Madrid was so bad. Do you know what it is about Real Madrid, right? This is a team who thought that they would win or keep on winning on experience alone. And that Chelsea team just showed that the main difference between those two was just raw pace. I mean, Real Madrid were a step slower to every ball. Chelsea just Chelsea just showed them, you know, that experience isn't everything and that if you have a young attacking team, you will be able to take you take on the top teams if they're, you know, a tad bit too old. You know, Sergio Ramos, I understand that as captain and you know the warrior that he is, of course, after you know, if he's trained fully for a week after injury, of course he's going to start in that match. But if we're being honest, it was probably too early. I mean, that back line was all over the place um, for Timo Vanna's first goal. I mean, I don't know where the where the room 
or, or where the organization was because Kai Havertz had about 10 yards of space around him when he lobbed Thibaut Courtois. And he could have had a hat trick on Wednesday. Yeah. In all honesty, he hit the, how, how unlucky do you have to be to hit the bar twice? <laughs> That's, I, as good as Chelsea were, Real Madrid were god awful. And it's that, I don't know why. I've said it before. I, I said it about Frank Lampard as well. Compared to Dan, Frank Lampard. <laughs> Man won four Champions Leagues. But he tried to match the three at the back or the five at the back. And he doesn't have the players to facilitate it. Vinicius Jr. playing at left wing back. That guy doesn't have an ounce of defensive minded play in his body. Well, you saw against Liverpool when they played, you know, set him free. Yeah. And I I know Tony Croson is great. But he's just not him and Luka Modric are just not what they used to be. They're so slow. Even if you play Federico oh, yeah. Valverde, yeah, come on, it has to be more mobile in that midfield. It was so passive. Well, I mean, we're talking about Tony Kors, who's now already he's already he's turning thirty-one, and Luka Modric, he's already thirty-five, or is he thirty-six even? I mean, Tony Kroos was never blessed with pace to begin with, anyway. But there's no. No, runners. but the thing is, Tony Tony Kors's play was never part of, or it was never part of Tony Kors's play to be pacey. He was he was literally the guy with ice in his veins who all he did was get the ball, move it, and he basically gave the tempo. He dictated the tempo. But now it's just you know he see this is what I mean. Tony Kors, he's thirty one. Casemiro, he's 29. Okay, that doesn't that's that shouldn't be saying that much. He's actually we're talking, 29. Oh my god. I thought he was over 30, to be honest. I thought he and, was younger. Yeah, but here's the here's the thing. Luca Mordes is turning 36 this summer. Or the or in September. You know, he's he is coming towards he's definitely at the end of his career. So is Sergio Ramos. He's he's turned 35 just now. Well, he's out of contract at the end of the season. Yeah. Add him to the long list of players. There's a lot of talent on that on that list of players who was out of contract at the end of the season. And also, you know, Eden Militao, I don't see it. I'm sorry. He's one of those players, along with Vincinius Union, who has just been brought into Real Madrid because they don't have the money to get anyone else. Nacho, Teacher. he's not he's not Real Madrid level. Don't he would never get into that Real Madrid team in 2018. Oh, oh, I have a point to make. Yes, yes. That Real Madrid team is full of players that people only think are good because they're good on FIFA. Ferland Mendy, yes. example number one. Ede Militao, number two. Vincent, uh, even Vinicius yeah. Jr. It's just because he's quick. Like, oh, yeah. But he's got five-star skills. It's like, yes, but he's wank. God, I keep pronouncing this guy's name wrong. It's Vinicius, not Vincinius. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's fine. You're just as bad as everyone else. Someone called Thomas Socek. He keeps calling him Thomas Susek. It's like, oh, come on, man. You're just making my head hurt. Ugh. Ugh. It's my biggest footballing pet peeve when people get a player's names wrong. 
Yeah, but yeah, but you're you're completely right because these are the people who they brought off the bench. Rodrigo, Mariano Diaz, Marco Asensio. Okay, Asensio is the only player out of those out of that Real Madrid team who definitely would have made the 2018 team because he did. You know, he he made he made the 2018 Real Madrid team. He's already won the Champions League with, with Real Madrid. And of course, you know, Tony Kroos, Casemiro and Modric they were that midfield three, but that midfield three is, you know, I'm, they're just past it. So I am paying attention. Can I just run something by you quick? Yeah. So Mariano is 27. Yeah. Which I thought he was a lot younger. He started his career at Badalona. And it, it just, just goes like through my mind. Barcelona I was going to say, do you think someone told him that? And he thought, oh, Going to Barcelona. Yeah. Jesus. Sorry. Continue. No, do you know what? Mariano, Di- Mariano Diaz is the same thing as Jesse Lingard. They both seem to be this talent that has been, you know, cryogenically frozen and just never seem to age and just never seem to make it out of that stage in their career where they're thought of as, you know, an emerging talent. I mean, he's got one goal in one game for the Dominican Republic in 2013. Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. Get him a Ballon d'Or. In a 3-1 victory, in a friendly, might I add, against Haiti. Get him the Ballon d'Or now. But, I mean, do you know what? I'm really looking forward to this. The downfall of Real Madrid and Barcelona, for that matter of fact. I'm sorry, but we've already we're we're not waiting for this. We were we're we're witnessing the downfall of both of these clubs. We witnessed the beginning of that downfall was when Barcelona just got nuked by Bayern. That was the beginning. And Real Madrid, they've kind of they kind of their downfall has been coming ever since Ronaldo left. Like that was a kickstarter to everything. Because right now, that Real Madrid team is just a team full of has-beens and, you know... Karen Benzema. Yeah. It's a bunch of has-beens, a couple of good talents that no one really knows too much about. And Karen Benzema, who is, for lack of a better word, putting the team on his back. Like, and I'm there's sorry, no and then, money. Yeah. And then Zinedine Zidane, who everyone hypes up, even though he... I mean, you know, he won three Champions League titles, yes. But the team he had to do that with. You know, Rafa Benitez was doing well with that Real Madrid team in 2015. And Rafa Benitez is, you know, at that point in time, Rafa Benitez was nothing special. How dare you? He led, New- he led Newcastle to a championship. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, yeah, okay. I, I do have to agree with you with that. I think Zinedine Zidane was very spoiled with the team he had. He had Ronaldo, Bale in his prime, Benzema in his prime. Like that front three alone. The fact that it rivaled MSN as well. Yeah, take take Zinedine Zidane now and stick him in any other top club. I guarantee you he fails. Probably. Just before we talk, uh, Mason Mount. Oh. 
I I sent you the picture of Eden Hazard afterwards. Ooh. Oh dear, they are in trouble. <laughs> that picture of him laughing and joking with Kurt Zuma. Yeah, okay, it's your old club, but you've just played so badly. <laughs> do it in the tunnel. Don't do it Someone... in front of a camera. Yeah, someone someone uh, posted on Twitter. You know the 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 difference. It was like Ronaldo bled and still played, and Eden Hazard laughs after losing a Champions League semi final. Like or Cristiano Ronaldo would have walked off the pitch, not given any interviews, and would have been fuming after that. Eden Hazard acts like it was like a Sunday league match that they just lost narrowly, and he was like, "Oh, do you know what? It's all good because we're gonna go and." go down to the pub and drink a couple beers with the, with the rest of the boys. You know, it's, it's that mentality. And that's, that's the mentality, which I think is why Eden Hazard is also going to be one of those players who was unbelievable for a time in his career, but is never going to be one of those top players who really makes it all the way to the top. I like the way Spanish and more importantly, the Madrid media Oh. Did some sort of like Bond villain style. They ripped into him. I will get a scary, deep-voiced Spanish man sat in the middle of a studio, the picture of Eddie Hazard, just to talk menacingly. It's like, Jesus Christ. But then again, that's Madrid media. Like, RS do it. Oh, they Madrid own some of these. Like, they literally just own some of these tabloids. It's unbelievable. But just just before we finish, it really is impossible not to love Mason Mount. Imagine he like Chelsea like through and through, playing for the first team, bossing it, and then he scores the goal that sends him through to a Champions League final. It's insane. Imagine that. Oh, it's 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 basically one of those love stories that you never expect actually happen. So just before we finish, it's a difficult one because it's an all English final. It doesn't have Manchester United in it. It's okay. Manchester United are in the the Europa League final. That's just as good, right? <laughs> the question I was going to ask before I was humiliated. Who's winning that final? Do you know what? I was looking through a few polls and a lot of people seem to be backing Chelsea for some reason. I think because there's a lot of similarities between this and the last time or the the first time they won the Champions League. Fair enough, but I'm sorry. I'm still seeing... I still see Man City doing it because... Manchester City, you know, Pep Guardiola, as much as everyone's being like, oh, you know, he took 10 years and he spent a billion with City to make it all the way here. You know, yeah, but at some point, I think he's going, you know, now he's finally made it. He's definitely going to be like, okay, you know what, boys, this is it. I don't know. I'm not going to pick one. Like I sent that video, that Gary Neville video of you. (laughs) It's like picking between two blokes, shaggy wife. It's not. Because it's not on a the choice one, Billy wants to make. On the one hand, it's Man City. You know, <laughs> it's City. 
And on the, on the other hand, Chelsea fans are just insufferable at the best of times. So, you know, there's no win in this situation for me. Football is the real winner. English football is the real winner. You say English football, but there were there are more Germans than English players in that Chelsea starting eleven. Behave. They play for English teams. <laughs> also, I'm going to just add in here that you know the German connection is finally producing some fruit. Do you know what? I'm, I'll say it now, but for, for a Timo Werner, a bad season. He's got double figures for goals and double figures for assists. I imagine what he would be in a very good season. Yeah, but of course that's the of course that was going to happen. Like you know, he everyone looks at the misses he's got, but you know, if you look at the overall stats, he's done pretty well for the fact that it's a bad season for him anyway. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought that there was a very very good chance that he could miss that. Because if anyone's missing that, it is Timo Van in his current form. Well, there we go. That's that's it. That's all we've got time for on the semi-final. But we will be back in, was it three weeks now? With the final European edition of the second season of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast. But don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're producing daily football content. And of course, with the summer break coming up, that is going to mean a ton of transfer news, especially with that list of players out of contract at the end of the season and all the talent that goes with that. And of course, make sure to check out the 50 Plus One Football Podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and check out our RSS feed for the previous episodes because they're always a good few laughs here and there and you know we'll always have a nice little recap of season two but thank you very much for listening guys keep calm love the beautiful game